We're joined again by Anthony Codling for one of the penultimate episodes of the 2022 series of The Home Stretch. Anthony, we had great feedback from all of your other episodes, so thank you for coming back again. Well, thank you for the invite. Really enjoyed doing it. Brilliant. No, we love having you with us. Could you give us all of the best insight into the property market and the economy as a whole? So 2022, we want to do a little bit of a roundup, although I fear it's going to be quite a big roundup because so much has happened this year, hasn't it, Ian? Oh, when you when you you need a you need a book just to actually list it all down, let alone just think about what's happened in the last three or four months. Crikey! Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot to go over, and luckily I've made a few notes of things that have happened over the past twelve months. But like you say, Ian, a lot of it has been crammed into the last couple of months. So, Anthony, shall we just start by maybe talking about as a whole what has happened to house prices this year? Basically, the first half of the year. So up until um, July, they carried their their kind of journey upwards and we saw kind of annual inflation over most of those months in double digits so 10 percent or more which is you know that overused phrase unprecedented um for house price inflation we had a tiny 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 wobble um in july i mean could have been a rounding error i mean it's such a small reduction in the house prices up again in august but then since august we've had three months um of declines and so year to date we're now up three and a half percent um and over the last 12 months so from november last year to november this year is latest data we've got up 4.7 um percent overall so and the the kind of received wisdom is that you know house prices are gonna fall again um in december so yeah so we started off strong and it's kind of coming off towards the end to the end of the year and so what caused that i think we all know some of the main <clears throat> causes of that but what happened in those last few months yeah, it, it's all down to the the not so mini budget, in my view. Um, we had, I don't know whether carnage is too, you know, emotive, but there, were, there was kind of carnage in the mortgage market um, after the the mini budget was was discussed. We saw a lot of mortgage products taken off the shelves, um, and we saw um, interest rates kind of shooting up <laughs> i mean again really high um increases in interest rates and i can kind of touch on why we kind of think that was um if, if you'd like me to um but it, yeah again it was just really crazy times um we, that, we september we, october we absolutely will go into that and i really want to get into the nitty-gritty of it but what if i were to be provocative and say that uh, liz trust actually did a fantastic job for the housing market inflation was already rising cost of living people were asking me in june july what do you think is going to happen to the housing market and my response was let's see what happens in october when the cost of living crisis really kicks in and so we already had the ukraine war we already had inflation running at an uncontrollable level because of the impact of um the, the 17 trillion pounds worth of excess funds that were created because of covid um and what liz trust did was bring it to a head now she 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 froze the market she put it into a state of apoplexy didn't she and that and the the borrowing was the big issue because yep. the lenders bought their rates but actually she did from a consumer perspective make realize that the head that the the crest of the wave had stopped and for, for more realism so what do you think on that sort of extreme view just to check it out there well you know i mean i, I i'd agree with you she brought things brought things to a head <laughs> um that's that is yes that, that 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 is very fair to say i think i think the challenge uh, you know the, the 
the challenge we faced following the mini budget was that the the government was at complete odds with the Bank of England in terms yeah. of how to uh, what were the best steps. So the government the, the government wanted again not being critical for being critical state. The government wanted to grow our way out of it, and again, it's a completely logical thing to to try and do. But whereas the Bank of England's remit to control inflation was to slow things down, and so yeah. it was difficult to see how you were going to you know square that circle. And but we just we, we discussed that, didn't we? Actually, at the time, because if you remember, the mini budget was on the I think it's the Wednesday or the Thursday, and we had a podcast on the Friday. We, we did. And we yeah. discussed exactly that point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that yeah, which we thought you know interest rates were going to go. Well, I, I was worried about interest rates. I think because you know the the Bank of England is trying to control growth by putting interest rates up, and they're cutting taxes, giving us more money to spend. So it was going to yeah. yeah, yeah. And we saw what happened in the markets. But yeah, I guess it focused the mind, Ian. If you're you know, looking for the looking for the positives, it did. And and um, just before we get stuck into that, just mm. to finish off 2022 transactional volume, where are we thinking that it's going to end up? Because for me, that's the only important one. Yeah. So currently, so I'm later there. We're just over a million, so 1.06 uh, yeah. million so far. So I think that's with um, kind of a couple of months to go. So I think we're likely to end up around the 1.25 million <clears throat> level, um, which is higher than my forecasts at the start of the year were kind of one 1.1 million. So that's kind of exceeded that. Um, you know, last year we had that bumper stamp duty year, 1.5 million transactions, almost 1.5 million. Um, but, you know, interestingly, if we look at where we are this year in context, um, you know, 2020 was 1.04, just about a million. But 2019, 2018, 2017, 2016 and 2015 were all 1.2 million transactions. Okay. So incre incredibly stable. And I think we'll just be slightly ahead of that um for for 2022 when we um yeah when we get the final data through so, so we'll ask the predictions a little bit later on for next yeah. year so keep keep people listening on um so could, could you please just from an expert's perspective try to explain to me and uh, the listeners what actually happened so we know what we know what um kamikaze and liz trust did yeah we know exactly what their intentions were to grow a certain way out of it we know that they didn't um take any counsel from is it the o is it oft the the, the, the obr yeah the OBR. OBIs, yeah. that's it thank yeah. you so um and and that was where that spooked the market then what happened in terms of the market reacting to it because effectively what it showed us is that the financiers run, run the economy or they certainly did at that time yeah <clears throat> so it, yeah so so the big the big issue was um as we kind of mentioned the, the Trusts and uh, Quasi were going for growth, so they wanted to put more money in our pocket, so we'd spend more money, um, and we'd grow our way out of it. And they hoped that growth would outpace inflation. Um, the the Bank of England kind of d disagreed with that, and the financial market disagreed with that. And then we saw this huge spike um, in interest rates. And there's there's a couple of things going on there. So the the straightforward part is that. The Bank of England's got a remit to get inflation to how much prices increase each year at two percent or or lower, <clears throat> and they have seen that because of Ukraine and um, the the cost of goods are rising. We're at full employment, so we've got more demand um, than supply, and wages are starting to rise. So they they wanted to control this by increasing how much it costs to borrow money, um, which 
A, encourages us to save more because there's better interest rates if you have a savings account, or probably more realistically, it gets you to spend less because your interest rates on your credit cards and your mortgage and your bank loans are going up. So you have less money um, at the end of the day to spend. The Bank of England hopes that by spending less, retailers will put prices down or stop put pricing up, prices up. And so we get those prices under control again. Um, the the second part, the more complicated part, is what's going on in what we call the swap rate market. I think the easiest way to explain this is that interest rates really are like share prices in that they change daily. So they can go up, they can go down. It depends on a whole host of a whole host of different factors. And if we had that that huge variability in in interest rates, it would be really difficult to get a mortgage because we wouldn't know how much interest we're paying tomorrow, the day after, the week after, the month after. And so people thought, wouldn't it be great if I could fix my interest rate so I know what it is over, say, a two-year or a five-year period and get certainty over that period? And this is essentially what a swap rate is. So it's it's you, Ian, saying, um, I want to pay a fixed rate for, for my mortgage. And it's me saying, well, I'll tell you what, I can do that for a price. So I'll take the risk, right? So interest rates could be 2%, could be 6%, could be 7%, could be 4%. But I'll tell you what, you just pay me 5% and I'll take all the risk, right? So you're you're paying slightly more because I'm taking the risk and I'm hoping to make money um, on on, on the, the difference between what I'm actually being paid and what you're, you're, you're paying me in interest. And, and what happened in the swap markets after the, after the mini budget was people had no idea what the cost of it was going to cost them, right? Because they thought, wow, the, the Bank of England is going to have to skyrocket interest rates. So I'm going to have to charge even more to Ian for his fixed rate. And so we saw, I mean, we've we've never seen swap rates move so much, right? So at the start of the year, a two-year swap rate was 1.19%, right? And it was 1.6 in February. And by August, after following a few um, bank rate rises, it was 27 Right. But then 1st of September, 22nd of September, it was 4.7. And then it went to 5.4. You know, wow. and on the 27th of September, it was 6%. And it was just going crazy, right? And we we didn't know what to do. Um, now, at the moment, it's back down to 4.5. Now we've had the autumn statement and things are kind of cooling down a bit. But that, yeah, that that's the main driver of the, that crazy period, essentially. Mm -hmm. and, the, and what we see is mortgage lenders taking products off the shelves. Because again, they don't know what the cost is going to be, they're trying to de-risk by reducing their exposure to these these high rates. Yeah. And of course, so, that's had material impact on people's lives, yeah. isn't it? So first-time buyers that agreed, agreed mortgages, or well, it doesn't have to be a first-time buyer, any buyer that needs a mortgage agreed a two, three, five-year fixed at a certain price. Yeah. And if they hadn't got an offer, a mortgage offer in place, then that was just with the product was withdrawn. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, carnage. Kind so, of. very, very difficult period. Do, do you feel now that we're at, uh, coming out of the other end of the of that cyclone? Yes, because because what we've got is um, the relative certainty that the the Bank of England is going to be allowed to do what it needs to do to control inflation. Yeah. Uh, they think that inflation will start coming down kind of second half of next year, and you know will be in low single digits by the end of end of next year which you know and people kind of agree with that so you know how, how does that work well again i say putting up the interest rate costs more so our credit cards cost more so we spend less you know that that will help but also 
you know, the shock of the Ukraine war hopefully happens once, right? You know, we're in this situation, prices have leapt up. You know, they're not going to keep leaping up by that amount. And so once we start what we call lapping it, so once that, that increase is a year old, the, the rate of change slows down a lot. So they're at this high level, but they're not accelerating any further, mm-hmm. essentially. So off the back of that, so did did the interest rates play out the way that you thought they would, base rates? I <laughs> know. Um, so I was looking at the, and you can see it actually, uh, my, my forecast I published on the 1st of January, hostage to fortune. So um, I thought I thought bank rate would be um, possibly at 2%, I said, at the end of the year. Um, and it's looking like it's going to be kind of three and a half. Um, so I didn't, you know, I didn't forecast the um, the situation in Ukraine. Um, so you know, there's one of those, you know, things that just happen. It's really difficult to forecast. So yeah, that's, the, got get, that's got a get out of jail free card. Probably, <laughs> but it, either that or I'm just a really bad bad forecaster. But uh, yeah, so I I was thinking two um, percent. I was thinking transactions. I say one to one point one million. Um, you know, interestingly, my house price forecast was five percent which is much lower than everybody else at the time mm-hmm. um and you know it's still probably gonna be a touch high but when we get to december but probably closer than the yeah. most people would have thought at the start of the year so yeah i'm happy happy with that one um and i'm happy with the transactions i mean it's nice that it's higher than no one's going to complain that i got transactions too low i don't think <laughs> and you said that um transactional data was the same um <clears throat> as pre-pandemic and pre-stamp duty numbers um is there anything else that is kind of measuring up and is similar to pre-pandemic years or are we in kind of a no man's land of numbers yeah no i, I think i think as i say i think with transactions we've uh, you know aside from the, the, the mini budget we, we we've had a broadly a state a stable market and it seems to be around that kind of natural equilibrium rate around the 1.2 million housing transactions you know, all other things remaining equal. So let's say 2020 was low, just over a million, because obviously for a period we had the housing market shut and there was that severe uncertainty at the start of, of lockdowns. Um, and then that massive increase to 1.5 million with all the stamp duty stuff um, and, you know, calm back down again. Um, but yeah, I mean, be interesting to see next year, which we'll come on to, I guess, on another episode. But um, But yeah, for now, it's 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 looking good for 2022 i think 2023 will be a different story very good ian have you got any more questions i have heard um it's back to inflation if i may mm. i have heard um or read a report i can't remember which one it was where there was the claim that more than 50 percent of the 10 percent headline rate is opportunism opportunism by corporate organizations to put their prices up even though they don't necessarily need to is that right? Oof, that's that's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, I th- I think I think I I think I'd be surprised because yeah, if we look at if we take something like supermarkets, like supermarkets, um, you know, they're not really we don't really have a, a stellar artois of supermarkets, right? Supermarkets are not in the business of going for really premium pricing. I mean, generally, right? So yeah. if you look at all the adverts, it's what good value we're doing. And, you know, even our, you know, our premium brands are a good value compared to. So I don't think supermarkets are putting up prices because they want to in that they're doing it because because they because they have to, because the input costs are rising so much, you know, and employers 
I think because you know, interesting on the radio this morning, they were saying that you know, in the private sector there is wage growth, you know, and uh, to pay those wages, you know, something has to go up. And if you yeah. want to hold on to your staff and put your, you know, pay wages, then you're going to have to increase the price of your prices of your product. So. I guess that brings us to another kind of subpart of the inflation. You know, it's not all bad for the housing market yeah. because yeah. if we're getting pay rises and pay rises and, and so your income levels are linked to mortgage multiples, you can yeah. borrow more. So that's you know, going to reduce the the downward pressure on house prices if you yeah. know because wages are going up. So it's yeah. not it's not all definitely not all doom and gloom um, yeah. with inflation. Yeah, no, okay, and I get that. And you you uh, delivered a graph. Uh, for me and it was very kind of you thank you very much which was which i showed to guild members which was showing the impact of a five ten and fifteen percent house price decrease yeah and actually the figures around that were quite quite surprising when you when you see it for the first time it's it only takes it back to sort of january of this year or since the start of lockdown one yeah. um you know house prices well before they started going down we were up 26 percent in you know, a very short space of time, you know, yeah. a year and a half. And you're coming, I mean, it's just crazy, right? <laughs> so you, you, unless you moved, unless you were one of the, you know, 2 million or so people who've moved in that period, you know, if you haven't moved since then, you're sitting on very big equity gains in yeah. your, in your property. Um, you know, so in theory, and, you know, if we lost all of those COVID gains and house prices fell over 20%, most people would just be back to where they started at yeah. the beginning of lockdown. And <clears throat> certainly at the beginning of lockdown, I thought the best case for house prices would they would be flat. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't think they'd be going up at the fastest rate we've ever seen. So yeah, there's a lot of people who've um the value of their asset has increased significantly to yeah, you say that but you said that you years. didn't think, but nobody thought it, did they? I mean you're not you're not unique in that. That was a that was a globe totally a global phenomenon wasn't it well yeah it was the it was the that first recession it was the most severe i mean i think it's like a 500 since records began but it's like 500 years i mean the graphs hilarious not hilarious wrong word but you know such a huge drop um yeah um so just as a teaser before we go into the next episode you've mentioned to me uh in the past that the average house price across the UK is tracking at, uh, I think the figure was 8% above the mean average over the last 25 yeah. year period. Did you just yeah. want to expand on that one for me, please? Yeah, so I, I did some, I, lots of people were saying that house prices are overvalued. And, you know, I thought before I can really come up with a view, I have to do some work as to, you know, what do I think that the fair value is? And so <clears throat> I looked at house prices, what they've done since, um, kind of 1995 um and i've actually gone back further but broadly house price growth in long term is about half a percent um per per month that they go up and so that gets you an average rate of around kind of six to seven percent inflation a year on average yeah and so if we if we plug that growth rate into house prices from the start of 2020 we get to a house price about eight percent below where they where they are and so you know my my argument on on the data therefore is that actually if we got back to the kind of the long-term trend um and there's no reason why the long-term trend should be the long-term trend it just is you know i'm not not making a case for why it's that figure i'm just saying yeah yeah. hey it's been that figure for so many years it'd be really unusual if it you know varied hugely from that then we'd just be eight percent 
down, okay. which is still 16% higher than, than the start of, of lockdown one. So again, if I was, you know, if we just got into lockdown and I said, don't worry, in two years time, house prices will be 16% ahead of where they are now. I think people would have questioned what I've been drinking. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> and and it does, it does, this 8% above the mean average for me is quite a, a magical piece of data um, work in that there was lots of scaremongering of people talking about house markets going to drop by 30%, et cetera, et cetera. I'm of the opinion that it dropped by 19% when the when the Western world was bankrupt. Yeah. What on earth makes you think it's going to drop by a, anything like that in the current situation? And I think activity levels are still actually remaining quite quite strong at the moment, aren't they? Even though time of year. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. The, the the housing transit again. We're on we're on for slightly ahead in yeah. terms of transaction volumes that we saw in 16, 17, 18, 19. So. Holly, any any last questions? I don't think I've got any more questions. No, I think um, from everything that's happened in 2022, the one thing that you have been saying, Ian, to our members is that it's clear now that the property sector really does heavily influence economic decisions and government decisions. Yeah. Um, so I think in conclusion, we're not in a bad space at all right now. Like you said, Anthony, transactional data is showing similar to pre-pandemic levels, if not up a little bit. Um, we've had a cut in stamp duty taxes, which will play a big part mm. next year, which we need to discuss in our next episode. Mm. Wonderful. Yep, okay, good. thanks so much for joining us, Anthony, and we will see you next time. Mm.